It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, September 12th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Promising signs for Ukraine as military forces retake key territory from Russia. The UK enters a week of mourning as the public prepares to pay respect to Queen Elizabeth. And on Wall Street, it's all about inflation as traders await the next reading on consumer prices. A New York police officer was killed while heading to 9-11 ceremonies. Plus, the sentencing phase continues for the Parkland High School shooter. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. A thrilling season opening win for the Giants. The Jets lost. The Mets and Yankees won on Carlos Alcaraz. Won the U.S. Open. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 20 points, Dow futures up 116, and NASDAQ futures up 69. The DAX in Germany is up 1.5%. Ten-year Treasury up 3.30 seconds, yield 3.29%, and a yield on the two-year 3.53%. And NYMEX crude oil is at $87.52 a barrel, up eight-tenths of a percent. Nathan. Karen, we begin today in Ukraine. It's been more than 200 days since Russia invaded the country, and now we're seeing promising signs for Ukraine as the country's military advances in the east and retakes some key territories. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has the latest from our 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Nathan, unconfirmed reports overnight suggest Ukrainian troops have retaken towns in and around the Kharkiv region, not far from the Russia-Ukraine border. Ukraine's top commander says they've returned about 3,000 square kilometers of lost territory back to Ukrainian control. Russia's defense ministry published a map showing that much of the country's forces are out of the Kharkiv region now, but they didn't comment further. Military experts tell Bloomberg News Ukraine should watch for an unexpected reaction from Vladimir Putin. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Amy, thank you. We turn to the U.K. now, where the nation continues its period of mourning. In the wake of Queen Elizabeth's death, King Charles has just wrapped up remarks in Westminster, where political leaders are gathered to offer condolences. Now the Queen lies in state for 24 hours in Edinburgh, Scotland, where the public will pay their respects before she's moved to London. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden has more details from Buckingham Palace. People are already lining up to pay their respects. They have been since before the sun even came up, just to take a quiet moment of reflection. The King Charles III, over the weekend, of course, he formally took the throne. Liz Trust swore allegiance to him, and the last Prime Minister to do that was Winston Churchill. For the rest of the week as well, she's going to accompany him on a tour of Britain. Tomorrow, the coffin will return here to Buckingham Palace, and then from Wednesday until the funeral, now confirmed for September the 19th, the Queen will Lion State at Westminster Hall. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden at Buckingham Palace says the Queen's funeral will be held at Westminster Abbey one week from today. And President Biden will attend the Queen's funeral next week, Karen. Back in the U.S., though, it was a somber weekend for the White House. Politics hit the pause button Sunday as we mark 21 years since the attacks of 9-11. President Biden used the event to vow vigilance against future terror threats in remarks made at the Pentagon. What was destroyed, we have repaired. What was threatened, we fortified what was attacked. The indomitable spirit has never, ever wavered. President Biden laid a wreath at the Pentagon. That's become a tradition for U.S. presidents on the anniversary of 9-11. Well, as we emerge from the somber weekend, Nathan, President Biden faces a possible labor crisis that threatens to shock supply chains across the country. U.S. railroad workers are threatening a strike. And we get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Tens of thousands of U.S. rail workers could be on strike by the end of this week. They're warning of potential disruptions as soon as today. Negotiations have been challenging and ongoing for more than two years. Current rail labor contracts are frozen at 2019 levels, and the White House is urging negotiators to continue talks throughout the week. According to rail officials, a strike could snarl supply chains, disrupt agricultural deliveries, and cost the U.S. economy more than $2 billion a day. In New York, I'm Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Lisa. As inflation sees workers fight for higher wages, it also remains front and center on Wall Street. Janet Yellen came out to address the matter this weekend. The Treasury Secretary tells CNN she is hopeful the Fed can bring down prices without sending the U.S. economy into recession. The Fed is going to need great skill and also some good luck to achieve what we sometimes call a soft landing, which is bringing inflation down while maintaining the strength of the labor market. And um, my hope, I believe there is a path to accomplishing that. And my hope is that we will achieve a soft landing. Janet Yellen says taming inflation is the main priority for the Fed and that the U.S. can't have a strong labor market if prices remain high. Well, Nathan, we won't have to wait long for the next reading on inflation. Consumer prices headline the list of economic data on tap this week. We get that reading tomorrow, and Bloomberg's Chris Condon says it'll be key for the Fed's next meeting. There's still 10 days to go before this meeting, but we're going to get a lot of data this week. So if the Fed is going to want to not hike by 75 basis points, as they seem to have signaled to the markets, then they're going to have to change that signal by the end of the week. And, of course, that will be data-dependent. 
Bloomberg's Chris Condon says CPI data is not the only key indicator this week. The Fed will also be looking at readings on producer prices and retail sales. Well, we're seeing the dollar weaken sharply this morning, Karen, and that's giving a lift to the euro and the pound. It also gave a boost to stocks in Asia overnight. Bloomberg's Juliet Sally joins us from Sydney, Australia with the details. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Semiconductor stocks led the gains. TSMC rising more than 3% in Taipei, boosting Taiwan's gauge. After August, sales rose 59% from a year ago, and Reuters reported the U.S. plans to broaden curbs on chip shipments to China. Reopening stocks in Japan gained after FNN and the Nikkei News reported the nation may soon ease travel curbs and scrap daily passenger caps. Australia's ASX 200 rose more than 1% in Sydney, and markets were closed for a holiday in China, Hong Kong, and South Korea. Sydney, Juliet Sally, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. S&P futures up 19 points. Dow futures up 120. NASDAQ futures are higher by 64 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds. The yield 3.29%. Yield on the two-year, 3.53%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And it's now 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 69 degrees in Central Park. We'll fill you in on those uh, accidents on uh, northbound FDR Drive on the Upper East Side in just a few minutes. First up, Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. A New York Port Authority police officer was killed yesterday while heading to a 9-11 ceremony. Anthony Vivaro from Staten Island was heading to serve the World Trade Center Command on Sunday morning when he was killed in a car crash near the Holland Tunnel. Bavaro voluntarily retired as a pitcher from Major League Baseball to join the Port Authority only a few days later. Anthony Bavaro was 37 years old. The trial resumes today in the sentencing phase of the Parkland High School shooter. Nicholas Cruz, who is 23 years old, pleaded guilty in October to the 2018 attack that killed 17 students and staff members. The jury will decide whether Cruz will be sentenced to death or life without parole. China confirmed that Xi Jinping plans to travel to Central Asia this week in what would be the president's first trip abroad since the pandemic hit more than two years ago. In Madeira County, California, officials are now saying the Fork Fire is 60% contained. Chris Hamilton and her husband Rick have been lucky so far, and their house has remained unharmed, but Chris Hamilton says one of their friends hasn't been as fortunate. One of the gentlemen that helps many of us up here with our yards, he did lose his house. It's just heartbreaking. What I know there's nothing you can say that makes it better, because um, we've been there. They'll go through the motions and do the best they can. The fire so far is consuming at least 28 structures and 15 outbuildings. We've reached the halfway date of the 2022 Atlantic hurricane season. It was supposed to be an above-average year for storms, but for now, experts say the odds of a quiet season are increasing with each passing day. Last spring, federal forecasters predicted as many as 21 named storms, including three to six major hurricanes. The 74th Annual Emmy Awards take place tonight. One show nominated. Netflix Squid Game is the first non-English speaking show to be nominated in the Outstanding Drama category. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, Red Light. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. The votes are already in, Michael. Stop trying to sway the <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
Almost 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Giants fans are happy not only with their first season opening win since 2016, only their second since 2010, but Saquon Barkley is back. Clearly now healthy, and Barkley was sensational. The Giants thrilling, coming from behind 21-20 to win at Tennessee, had 164 yards. With just over a minute left, the Giants scored an apparent game-tying touchdown, but new coach Brian Dable rolled the dice, went for two. Giants converted on a shovel pass to Barkley. They won the game when the Titans missed a 47-yard field goal. Jets hosted Baltimore, had 11 more first downs, had 100 more yards of offense, but Lamar Jackson, three touchdown passes, and the Ravens won 24-9. A wild week one, especially the early games that saw two go overtime. The Colts and Texans ended in a tie. Indy came from 17 down in the fourth quarter. Pittsburgh won at Cincinnati on a 53-yard field goal at the end of OT. The Bengals needed only an extra point to win in regulation. They didn't get it. Cleveland and New Orleans both won on last-second field goals that went over 50 yards. Yankees in much better shape in the AL East after two weekend wins over Tampa Bay, 10-3. And then 10-4, two home runs for Glaber Torres, three-run shot for Giancarlo Stanton, Oswaldo Cabrera. First homer of his career. It all happened in the first two innings. The Mets, who won Saturday 11-3, in Miami. And good news in Seattle, Atlanta lost in the ninth inning. Albert Pujols, career home run number 697. Moved him past Alex Rodriguez, now fourth all-time. 19-year-old Carlos Alcaraz won the U.S. Open, is now the youngest ever to be ranked number one in the world. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. S&P futures are up 19 points. Dow futures up 121. NASDAQ futures up 65 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 230 seconds. The yield 3.30%. Just ahead, the latest on Ukraine with significant progress reported in the north. We'll get the latest with Bloomberg's Rosalind Matheson. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, few showers early, partly to mostly cloudy today with a high near 80 degrees. It'll turn mostly sunny tomorrow afternoon, low 80s. We'll keep it sunny with a high near 80 on Wednesday. Right now, clouds 69 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And European stocks and U.S. stock index futures are extending a rally. The dollar retreating as traders bet inflation is near a peak, even as policymakers ramp up hawkish rhetoric. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures up 19 points. Dow futures up 117 and NASDAQ futures up 62. The DAX in Germany is up 1.6%. The 10-year Treasury up 230 seconds, yield 3.30%. Yield on the two-year, 3.54%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1% or 85 cents at $87.64 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 4 tenths percent or $7 at $17.35.60 an ounce. The euro 1.0137 against the dollar. British pound 1.1667 and the yen's 142.84. And looking at Bitcoin, it's up 2% at $22,080. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. King Charles III has addressed lawmakers in Parliament, telling them, I cannot but help feel the weight of history which surrounds us. I am deeply grateful for the addresses of condolence by the House of Lords and the House of Commons, which so touchingly encompass what our late sovereign, my beloved mother, the Queen, meant to us all.
Queen Elizabeth's coffin is in Scotland today, but will return to London tomorrow. Her funeral is scheduled for September 19th. Ukrainian soldiers are taking back territory that had been controlled by Russia for several months as part of a swift counteroffensive. The Ukrainians are claiming gains in the northeast and south of their nation. In football, the Giants won. The Jets lost to the Ravens 24-9. The Commanders won. The Patriots and 49ers lost. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets won. The Nationals lost. The Red Sox beat the Orioles one zip. The A's and Giants won. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks for coming up to 620 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And let's get more now on the advances we're hearing out of Ukraine. Rosalind Matheson joins us, Senior Executive Editor for International Government at Bloomberg News. Roz, good morning. Since we first heard about this counteroffensive taking place by Ukrainian forces, the reports we're hearing about the progress that the uh, military is making have been nothing short of remarkable. Well, that's right. The counteroffensive seemed to have started off fairly slowly and cautiously. But just in the last three to four days, we've seen really astounding and rapid gains by the Ukrainian forces, particularly around Kharkiv, and that's in the east of the country in the Donbass region. And that's where Russia, of course, was very entrenched in the early days of the war. But we've seen them sweep through multiple villages and towns, pushing the Russians back out of the way at the same time and closer to the Russian border and signs really of absolute chaos and disarray in the Russian ranks, footage of tanks driving in wayward fashion, people, Russian troops essentially looking like they're running to get back out of the way in a sense that they're abandoning their posts very quickly. And so it's actually moved much faster than people expected. Certainly it seems to have moved faster than even the Ukrainian commanders expected. And now comes the question of do they need to keep pushing at the same speed or do they really need to also slow down a bit and try and consolidate some of the gains they've gotten because they've moved so fast they perhaps risk stretching their own resources quite thinly in the process. But certainly very quick and rapid gains we've seen just in the last couple of days alone. It almost sounds like a repeat of the reports we heard when Russia tried to take over Kiev, the capital, the, this idea that the Ukrainian defenses were so much stronger than the Russians apparently expected that uh, many of them uh, began to abandon their posts and uh, almost collapse. Is that sort of a repeat of what we're seeing here? And what could that mean for the Russian reaction? Well, certainly it's got to raise further questions about the the organization structure and capability of the Russian military as a whole. As you say, in the early days of the war, there seemed to be the presumption, at least by Russia, that within days, maybe in Kiev, this war would be very swift and decisive. And certainly that's not the way it's turned out. And time and time again, we've seen the, the Ukrainian forces really get the better of their Russian counterparts, despite being smaller in size, ostensibly less better trained. Uh, and I guess now they've got better equipment than they did, but there was all this kind of conversation about how the Russian forces were so amazing before the war and certainly got to raise fundamental questions about where all that money went into that modernization of the Russian military and their training and command structure. But that aside, it's, it's interesting to see how this resonates in Russia at the moment. What we're seeing is, is the rhetoric that this was a deliberate and planned withdrawal. It's an orderly withdrawal. It's part of their overall tactics. Business as usual from the Russian president out and about in Moscow on the weekend, and he's off to see the Chinese president in Uzbekistan. Um, 
later this week. So suddenly they're trying to present the idea that, that nothing's awry here when clearly it is. Well, what about concern about the Zaporizhia nuclear plant? Uh, there have been a lot of reports of continued shelling there, risk of a nuclear accident. Is that concern uh, still being felt on the ground? Well, certainly there's continued, continued concern about that nuclear plant. It is fairly stable despite fairly regular uh, attacks in and around the plant and challenges to the power supply to it. But there are fail-safes and backups, and they seem to be working all right. And there are still a team from the IAEA on the ground there to try to keep things under control. But the question is also if this war really goes further wrong uh, for the Russian administration and for the president, Vladimir Putin, what are his options here? Can, does he become more erratic? Does he do something even more dangerous as a result? Is he feeling the pressure at home amongst his leadership? So what does that lead him to do? What kind of actions does he take? He's already putting the squeeze on, on Europe on the energy side. There have been blackouts in Ukraine in the east the last couple of days suggesting he will also use energy as a weapon in Ukraine. But what other kinds of things might he turn to depending on how much pressure he's feeling? All right, we'll continue following developments. As we say, they are moving along rapidly here, along with uh, Ukraine's forces, apparently. Rosalind Matheson, our uh, senior executive editor for international government at Bloomberg News, uh, joining us live this morning. Roz, thanks, as always, for the update on what's happening uh, in the war in Ukraine. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are on the rise on this Monday morning. S&P futures up 19 points. Dow futures up 118 NASDAQ futures are higher by 61 points. Germany's DAX, a gain of 1.6%. The 10-year Treasury up 2.30 seconds, the yield 3.30%. The yield on the two-year, 3.54%. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. It's going to stay probably mostly cloudy today with a high near 80 degrees. We'll turn mostly sunny tomorrow afternoon. Low 80s. Sunshine high near 80 on Wednesday. Right now, 69 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. And up first, we begin in Ukraine, where the nation's military is making significant strides, forcing Russian defenses back and retaking some key areas. It marks one of the biggest successes for Ukraine since Moscow's invasion. Bloomberg's Ross Matheson says Russian defenses appear caught on their heels. In the last few days, there's been really rapid progress, particularly in the east around Kharkiv, going through towns very, very quickly, pushing the Russian forces back closer to the Russian border. In fact, the departure by the Russians became so rapid, it became quite chaotic. Uh, stuff abandoned beside the road, tanks left, troops running in all directions. So certainly quite a sense of chaos on the Russian side at the speed with which the Ukrainians have pushed through these towns. Bloomberg's Roz Matheson says Ukraine believes it's recaptured about 3,000 
thousand square kilometers of lost territory. Well, Karen, let's turn now to the UK, where mourning continues for Queen Elizabeth II. King Charles has wrapped up remarks at Westminster, where political leaders have gathered to offer their condolences, while the Queen lies in state in Edinburgh, Scotland, before being moved to London. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden has more from Buckingham Palace. Tomorrow, the coffin will return here to Buckingham Palace, and then from Wednesday until the funeral, now confirmed for September the 19th, the Queen will lie in state at Westminster Hall. You've got some UK newspapers this morning estimating that as many as a million people will file past the coffin. That could create a five-mile queue. But really, it's an outpouring of national grief that none of us has likely seen in our lifetimes in the UK, and it leaves the government paralysed in Liz Truss's second week as Prime Minister. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden says the Queen's funeral will be held in Westminster Abbey one week from today. Well, we turn now, Nathan, to the mood on Wall Street this morning with U.S. futures and stocks overseas rising. The dollar's weakening, and that's giving strength to the pound and the euro. The next major catalyst for markets, Karen, comes tomorrow when we get the latest reading on U.S. inflation. Economists predict a monthly decline in the consumer price index with a fall of one-tenth of one percent. And as prices remain high, Nathan, railroad workers are threatening to strike for more pay. Tens of thousands of rail employees say they could walk off the job this week as labor negotiations remain challenging. They warn that a strike could cost the U.S. economy more than $2 billion a day. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day. All right, Karen, thanks. So S&P futures right now are up 20 points. Dow futures up 121. NASDAQ futures higher by 65 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And at 633 on Wall Street, we're at 69 degrees in Central Park. It is heavy on the northbound FDR drive with that accident on 106th. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. Americans remembered 9-11 yesterday. There were emotional tributes and pleas to never forget 21 years after the deadliest terror attack on U.S. soil. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York held an event in Manhattan to rally for support for the federal government's World Trade Center Health Program, a fund for survivors which is currently facing an impending $3 billion funding deficit for the ongoing medical care of 9-11 survivors and first responders. The best way we can never forget, folks, is to get this done, to make sure that the people who are hurt, the people who are taken care of, are given their due. Senator Schumer says it's the responsibility of Congress to ensure those heroes who put their lives on the line that day get the care they deserve. Meanwhile, a New York Port Authority police officer was killed yesterday while heading to a 9-11 ceremony. Anthony Vavaro from Staten Island was heading to serve on the World Trade Center Command when he was killed in a car crash near the Holland Tunnel. Vavaro, who is 37, retired as a Major League Baseball pitcher for the Atlanta Braves and joined the academy only a few days later. The trial resumes today in the sentencing phase of the Parkland High School shooter. Nicholas Cruz will either get the death penalty or life without parole for killing 17 students and staff members at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in 2018. Just a month after losing a $50 million verdict over his defamatory claims about the Sandy Hook school shooting, a second trial for conspiracy theorist Alex Jones is set to get underway. This time, a six-member jury in Connecticut 
We'll hear evidence this week to determine how much Jones should have to pay the families of some of the shooting victims. Crews are making progress against big California wildfires that have thousands of people evacuated and threaten thousands of homes. Southeast of Los Angeles and Riverside County, rain from remnants of Tropical Storm K helps. Cal Fire's Mike Page. This fire still possesses a lot of potential to move around, um, which is why it is imperative that we um, do everything we can to jump on the opportunity that the weather's given us to get in there as fast as possible. In the center of California, Madeira County, a fire has burned over two dozen structures. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 6.36 on Wall Street. John Stashauer has the Bloomberg Sports Update. Nathan, the Giants are 1-0, and and that doesn't happen often. In Nashville, they fell behind 13-0, and then two big plays in the third quarter. A 68-yard run by Saquon Barkley, a 66-yard touchdown pass. Daniel Jones to Sterling Shepard. Those two plays, longer than any plays all of last season. The Giants took the lead. With just over a minute left, converting on a risky two-point conversion, the Titans had a chance to win at the end. Nap is clean. Kick on its way. End over end. And it is no good. He missed it left. And the Giants have won. For the first time in 2016, the Giants have won a season opener. WFAN 21-20 in Brian Dable's coaching debut. As for the Jets, more of the same. Couple of turnovers, drop passes. Jets' only touchdown came with a minute left. They lost to Baltimore. 24 to 9. The Jets have lost 13 games in a row in September. Last night in Dallas, Tampa Bay won 19 to 3, and the Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, suffered a thumb injury. He could miss two months. Three games were won by, on field goals that went over 50 yards. Cleveland, New Orleans, and Pittsburgh, whose field goal came at the end of overtime. Cincinnati had a chance to win in regulation, but missed an extra point right at the end. Day after the Yankees won 10-3, to they won 10-4 over Tampa Bay. Scored all 10 in the first two innings. Hit four home runs, two by Glaber Torres, and the Yanks now lead the Rays by five and a half. The day after the Mets won 11-3, to they won 9-3 in Miami, and they move a game and a half ahead of Atlanta. After three five-set wins, Carlos Alcaraz won the U.S. Open final in four sets over Norway's Casper Ruud, and the 19-year-old Alcaraz is the youngest Open winner in 32 years. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta joins us sailing a sea of green this morning. Good morning, Kriti. Good morning, Nathan. Can I just say, I was actually at the U.S. Open yesterday, and I witnessed uh, Carlos Alcaraz win. It was amazing. Must have been nice. amazing. I mean, the crowd went wild for 19 years old, man. (laughs) What an overachiever. Uh, Let's talk about the stock market moves here. Um, Let's talk about a story that I think we've hit over and over and over again. Uh, Twitter, this time, uh, as we, of course, know, dealing with its legal kind of uh, mandate in it and its uh, court case with, with Elon Musk. Continues, yes, the saga right. continues. Shares are down about 1% in the free market. And Nathan, this is significant because as you mentioned, it is coming in the background of an up market. So you are seeing a little bit of pressure here in Twitter shares. Uh, looks like the story here is that Elon Musk's third attempt to cancel a deal uh, is deemed invalid. Nevertheless, Twitter shares are under pressure. So the question is uh, what actually creates that pivot point? One of the big concerns for this market or for this particular stock is now that Elon Musk has 
uh, initiated interest and then kind of withdrew it. Now they're dealing with this. Does that mean this stock loses value because no other bidder might want it? That's going to be one of the concerns that we're going to have to monitor uh, throughout throughout really this entire uh, court case that really just doesn't stop. Uh, the other one I want to talk <laughs> yeah. to you about is the healthcare space. Bristol Myers Squibb, BMY is your ticker. Shares are about 7% this morning. In the pre-market, this comes after their drug received approval from the U.S. FDA for the treatment of moderate to severe psoriasis with, quote, no black box warnings. This could be a major moneymaker for the company, so certainly keep your eye on that one. Let's move to crypto stocks here as well. Speaking of green on the screen, Nathan, Mm -hmm. Riot Blockchain, R-I-O-T, shares are about 3% in the pre-market, really just following the Bitcoin move you are seeing in the broader market. And I would argue risk sentiment broadly. Coinbase is another one that you want to keep your eye on. C-O-I-N is your ticker also up about 3%. All right. Uh, just about 30 seconds left here, Creedy. But we've been reporting on the po- possibility of a strike on the rails. You keeping an eye on uh, railroad stocks this morning? We absolutely are. So CXS is one of the uh, ones you want to keep an eye on. It's a major railroad uh, here in the States for our international audience. Shares are actually up about three-tenths of 1%, but that could move. And you are already seeing uh, some interesting volume in these shares, so keep an eye on that. The other one we want to keep an eye on is Union Pacific. UNP is your ticker, and those shares are actually up as well, as well up about six-tenths of 1%. Once again, they're both Dow heavyweights, so keep your eye on it. All right. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Creedy Gupta giving us a reason to keep an eye on the Dow this morning. That'll make Tom Keen happy. Looking ahead to the uh, market open, S&P futures are up 20 points. Dow futures up 123. NASDAQ futures are higher by 67 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 430 seconds. The yield 3.29%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Trade crypto for less coin with commissions just 12 to 18 basis points and no hidden spreads or markups. Learn more at ibkr.com slash crypto. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow, and this update is brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges marginal loan rates from 2.83% to 3.83%. Their clients can also earn extra income by lending their fully paired shares uh, shares of stock, rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. Futures are higher this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call, and here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Ken. That's right. U.S. futures with a bid right now. Dow futures up 125 points. SBs gained 21 while NASDAQ futures rise by 69. The U.S. 10 at 3.29%. Gold is up 9. Oil is trading higher. And Bitcoin is up by 2.4%. Japan rose 1.2% overnight while European markets are posting 1% gains this morning. And back in the U.S., nothing to report on the economic front. In deal news, JP Morgan will buy payment startup Renovite Technologies. And in deal in other news, the Disney CEO says that ESPN is critical to his vision, and Janet Yellen remains hopeful the economy can avoid a recession. Regarding earnings, Oracle reports after the bell and wrapping things up, Adobe was cut to neutral over at Mizuho. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? 
All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now with more on what's going on around the world, here's Michael Barr. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. King Charles III spoke about the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. He spoke before Parliament lawmakers in London's Westminster Hall. I am deeply grateful for the addresses of condolence by the House of Lords and the House of Commons which so touchingly encompass what our late sovereign, my beloved mother, the Queen, meant to us all. The British people will get to pay their last respects to the late Queen this week at Westminster Hall. Ukraine has kept the counteroffensive momentum in its war against Russia going. It says it liberated one village after another amid a claim that in one region it had pushed the invaders back right up to the borders they came from. In football, the Giants won, the Jets lost to the Ravens, the Commanders won, the Patriots and 49ers lost. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets won, the Nationals lost, the Red Sox beat the Orioles one zip, the A's and Giants won. Carlos Alcaraz defeated Casper Rudd to win the U.S. Open final to earn his first Grand Slam title at age 19. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tech. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Karen. All right, Michael, thank you. Well, it's 649 on Wall Street, and we turn to news now in science and technology with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. A former Amazon employee who is key to developing Alexa technology is now working to develop a new type of artificial intelligence. William Tunstall Pedo raised $20 million to fund the U.K.-based startup Unlikely AI. He says that his group is taking a fresh look at the technology. Patrick Bichette, a former Google CFO and current Twitter board member, is among those backing the company. A U.K. payments startup fired several employees after harassment complaints from an off-site trip to Cyprus. Checkout.com, which was last valued at $40 billion, said that it has a zero-tolerance policy for harassment. The company terminated six members from its 120-person commercial team following an internal investigation. And the price of lithium is soaring in China as demand for new energy vehicles continues to grow. Prices hit over $71,000 a ton Friday, the same as a peak in March. Car makers and battery manufacturers have been scrambling to secure lithium to meet growing demand, and lithium is a key material for batteries and electric vehicles. That's a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Thank you, Karen. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 651 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include President Biden calling for unity and vigilance 21 years after 9-11. Because on this day, it is not about the past. It's about the future. We have an obligation, a duty, a responsibility to defend preserve and protect our democracy. And Vice President Kamala Harris says she's very concerned about new threats to democracy after the 2020 election. Most people in America know that it is not helpful to our country when we have people who are denying elections or trying to obstruct the outcome 
of an election. Vice President Harris tells NBC's Meet the Press President Biden believes in bipartisanship. Republican Senator Tim Scott says he needs to show it. What we have not seen from the Biden administration is that type of unifying message that people rally around. Senator Scott was on Fox News Sunday. Also making news, the passing of an era with Queen Elizabeth's death. U.S. Ambassador to the United Kingdom Jane Hartley was on ABC's This Week. The dedication that the Queen had to an institution and to a country, and she had that dedication for oh, for 70 years. You just don't see that that much in politics these days. And on CBS's Face the Nation, Ukrainian Ambassador Oksana Markarova called for more vigilance from allies after her country's counteroffensive against Russia. In order to defend our country, we cannot afford to panic. We have to get ready, all of us, not only our military, our very capable military and veterans, but also all civilians. Face the Nation this week, Fox News Sunday, and Meet the Press can all be heard every Sunday right here on Bloomberg Radio. Let's get more now on this Monday morning. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins joins us live from the nation's capital. So, Emily, we heard from President Biden yesterday remembering 9-11 after the, pen, uh, after the uh, attacks 21 years ago. But those comments about defending democracy uh, really seem to stand out. Absolutely, Nathan. And it really goes to a theme that we've been hearing a lot from uh, President Joe Biden over the last several weeks, uh, really talking about democracy. If you remember when he ran uh, for president in 2020, his sort of whole platform was that, you know, they needed to protect democracy. Um, and he kind of positioned himself as the one to do it against former President Donald Trump. And you're beginning to really hear that message again as we go into the midterms. I mean, certainly yesterday uh, with 9-11 uh, was a day to remember the terrorist attacks and to really focus uh, on what it's meant for the U.S. to come back from them. Uh, but at the same point, it, it really dovetails with this message that Biden is now giving on the campaign trail. We've heard it in Pennsylvania. We're hearing it in Ohio, these very key battleground states that have these important Senate elections, as well as a number of, of very competitive House races, because, of course, the House is in play, too. Um, and we're just kind of expecting to hear more about it at this point. Uh, Democrats really pushing this extreme ideology of former President Trump, um, as well as talking about the MAGA Republicans that, of course, make America great again. Um, this is something we've really heard on the campaign trail. And it seems like for his part, former President Donald Trump, you know, he's kind of stepped up to this whole idea of, of a potential rematch. He's not on the campaign trail as well. He's also been to Pennsylvania. He's scheduled to go to Ohio. Uh, he's really tried to be out there uh, because for Republicans, they know that he's still someone who can rally the base, who can get people to show up. Uh, and it is going to be quite a competitive midterm. We know that Republicans are, are still considered likely to, to win the House, but the Senate truly is a toss-up. But it is interesting, though, isn't it, to see the 2022 fight for control of Congress in the midterms almost looking like a 2020 presidential rematch. As you mentioned, the president is going to states with competitive congressional races, but they are also key presidential battlegrounds. Yeah, absolutely, Nathan. This is something where we have uh, both kind of presidents. I mean, it's not terribly surprising to see a current president being the head of their party step up 
uh, and go to a number of these rallies. It is a little interesting given that Biden's approval numbers are a little bit low. You have seen some in his party try to distance themselves from him. But I think in terms of a former president really hitting the campaign trail, um, I, I think this kind of fuels a lot of that will Trump run in 2024 speculation. Uh, Republicans have kind of asked that, that he not announce anything until after the midterms. Um, but he's certainly on the campaign trail and certainly both of them are, are very much acting uh, like they've got another presidential showdown coming their way in another two years. Well, let's talk about what's happening today. President Biden's headed to Massachusetts. Tell us more about why. Yeah, so Biden will be headed to Massachusetts uh, to talk about a cancer moonshot. Uh, this is something uh, that's obviously near and dear to his heart after he lost his um, son, Bo, in 2015 to brain cancer. Um, but what Biden's going to try and really do today is, is serve, begin new initiatives and really add fuel to ones that are already going um, about trying to find an end to cancer. He's going to be highlighting a new federal back study that validates using blood tests to screen against multiple cancers. And he's planning several other announcements meant to better the lives of those suffering from cancer. And so we're going to see Biden focus on this. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of Americans have had folks who have been touched uh, by cancers. Uh, Biden's hoping to move the U.S. closer to a goal he set in February for cutting U.S. cancer uh, fatalities by 50 percent over the next 25 years with new technology and, and policies. Thanks, as always, for the update from Washington. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. And you can read more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in the nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Looking ahead to the market open, we still see green on the screen. S&P futures up 18 points. Dow futures up 110. NASDAQ futures are higher by 63 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 5.30 seconds. The yield 3.29% yield on the two-year, 3.53%. NYMEX crude's moving higher by nine-tenths percent, or 79 cents at $87.58 a barrel. Dollar weakness this morning, the euro at 1.0139. Bloomberg surveillance is straight ahead. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.